we learn an eight-year-old child is the latest victim of a murder-suicide over the weekend. And I always hate these headlines, always, because you know almost right away what the story is going to be uh, behind it. We don't know a lot because the police aren't releasing a lot of information, but we know this happened in a small uh, community in Oshawa. And chances are, uh, in the coming days, this strategy will once again turn out to be that all the signs were there, trouble was brewing, and that this woman was in need of help. And when you look at the issue of domestic violence or femicide in this country, every 36 hours a woman or girl is killed. And you look to the numbers of 2021 alone during the pandemic, we saw it might not have gotten a lot of attention because everyone was so distracted, but there was a massive spike in domestic situations, but namely murders where 173 women were killed. And earlier this year, a police board in southern Ontario was in the London area, had been pushing for the Trudeau government to add femicide to the criminal code. And nothing has happened. And this is something that the government said it would do. But when it comes to domestic situations, there is no greater pain you can level at a woman than killing her child. It is like the ultimate revenge. Is that what happened here? We will find out. Sandra McCormick is the executive director of the Denise House in Durham. Good to have you, Sandra. Oh, thank you very much. Clearly, you're closer to the situation than I am, and I don't think you have any details. But, but you know, we hear these headlines, and it's always one of those, this probably could have been prevented. Is that what uh, comes to your mind? I think what comes first to my mind is, um, you know, your heart catches in your throat, and um, you just can't imagine the overwhelming grief yeah. that this little girl's mother has to be feeling along with other family members. And I think those of us that work within the violence against women's sector in whatever capacity that we do, um, acknowledging that the details are not there, but absolutely that's right where your mind goes um, because it's happened before and it continues to happen. And here we are today yet again, um, innocent eight-year-old young girl has tragically been murdered for what? In your experience, because you deal with women escaping danger or providing shelter or certainly support systems, is there, generally speaking, in one of these situations, um, and given we don't know all the facts to this particular situation, but are there enough signs that will show um, that had this person or the woman been saved or taken out of that situation, that, that, the, that you know, is this like the final act, the murder-suicide of the child? Like, how many warning signs do we normally see before the ultimate act is done? I think that just varies based on a woman's individual situation. You know, women living in that abusive environment, you know, they, they tell us what their experience is. And, and there's, you know, there's all kinds of um, behaviors because this is about controlling someone else, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, men can get very creative on how they do that. So, you know, we hear from women what they live with. Then we hear when women have taken that very courageous step to leave, again, what they live with, because at that point in time, there's a sense that control has been lost. So behaviors can, can certainly accelerate. Um, and even after a woman has left for a period of time and is trying to get on with her life, 
it still happens for years, for years, you know. So it isn't that women don't reach out to the support services and the networks that are within their community. They very often do. And, mm. and we're working in the systems as they are, right? Um, and we have to do that. At the same time, we're advocating for changes and improvements and, and because that's what we have to do. There's always room for improvements and additional things to be offered as supports, but women work within the systems that are available to them. And unfortunately, what it takes is that break or that one opportunity where someone is so intent to seize that ultimate act of control, as you have said, irregardless of who she has supporting her, irregardless of who she has reached out to. In some cases, yeah. they're not to be stopped, right? I mean, look, leaving is the most dangerous part. And often I think women yes. um, don't leave because of children, because it's you've got to make sure that there's a support system on the other side. You just can't be walking around in the middle of the night looking for someone. But a lot of it is that you you got to have a plan uh, to leave. And, and yep. it's harder, harder you know, to do than it is to say. Oh, most definitely. You know, again, women reach out to to shelters and other support services and, and assessments are done and risk is gauged and safety plans are developed and, and women know what to do. Women do the right thing. They do all the right things, right? Um, but yet this, this still happens. Um, and that's why I think, you know, again, you know, we work we encourage women to work within the systems that are here today. And at the same time, we still have to advocate for improvements and increases in all of those things that will hopefully continue to keep women that much more safe. Um, mm -hmm. where, where has um, the, you know, it's kind of, I, I got to be honest, I'm surprised that in 2022, like femicide's yeah. not recognized in the criminal code. It just seems, it's, it's something that we've been talking about this, certainly, I think, for a long enough time that you would think that it would have been addressed by now. But the fact that it isn't and that it is being asked for by multiple police units, I think, and certainly yes. certainly women's abuse centers, what's the holdup? I mean, this is the basics of what they can do. Well, I, I think, I mean, let's face it, it it's murder, to, for one yeah. thing, right? So murder is in the criminal code. But I think that, you know, the advocacy is to name it what it is. It's the deliberate killing of women by men, by their partners. So name it what it really and truly is. Um, but what's the holdup? I don't know. I think that's the question we continue to ask ourselves. You know, you mentioned some statistics earlier on. Um, I think you're familiar perhaps with OAITH, the Ontario Association of Interval and Transition Houses. Mm -hmm. That's the body that represents all of our support services within Ontario. Each year they do what's called a femicide list. They've been doing it for years. And, and the purpose of that is first and foremost to acknowledge that this is happening to women within our province and it continues to happen. Um, the most recent report that has come out just within the last few days since November of 2021, there's been 46 women murdered in this province. Mm -hmm. And and so where where is that acknowledgement for in the forefront of our politicians provincially and federally? Right? Yeah, well, well no question. I mean, you've got a feminist government. This is this is their their brand. And so you would think that they would move on this. Having said that, again, it, it's one thing. If you don't have the supports yes. in place then it, it doesn't matter. You can make all the laws you want. If women don't have somewhere to go to find safety and, and take their children, um, right. 
they're 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 basically a target. Absolutely, which is why at the same time, you know, I think shelters and support services have been building, you know, for the over 40 years, but we're still we're still behind in terms of capacity sure. to help the number of women coming to the various services. We're still waiting. So we behind. Yeah, we are way behind. But so, Sandra, just before I let you go, we know that the pandemic having women locked into this abuse, uh, we saw a spike in domestic, um, you know, violence as well as uh, more murders. But now we're going into a cycle of real economic strain. What are you seeing now? The same thing. Women are still being isolated because certainly because of the pandemic, they 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 stayed in situations that were unsafe. Economic decline, economic stress always, um, in our experience, has, has, you know, women are fearful of moving because what is out there for them, right? What, what is really and truly out there for them? So sometimes it's in their mind, it, the staying in what is known to them is less fearful than reaching out and leaving and facing really what is really unknown to them at that point in time. And, 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 you know, there's so many challenges out there. Um, first and foremost, you know, economically they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're challenged in housing, housing, they're challenged for housing if they choose yeah. to, you know, strike out on their own. So um, services can be out there, but if there isn't enough to meet the demand and, and we don't have the capacity to meet that demand, um, women very quickly become aware of that. Wish we didn't have to have, have the conversation, but we will continue to have it. We keep getting these headlines, and hopefully one day we can put them behind us. Uh, appreciate your time, Sandra. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Sandra McCormick, um, one of the many working in homes that offer supports for women. And sadly, we have another headline, and I'm not sure if we'll get the details immediately. We will inevitably, I think, find out. Um, and again, it'll have all the warning signs, but no question about it. It is heartbreaking.